Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, and it's your favorite time of the month, another mailbag. We make our bold predictions, including could Jalen Brunson be in the MVP mix? We tell you if the Knicks have a GM. We tell you if the Knicks need a GM. And finally, more talk about Mitchell Robinson potentially making a mini leap. That next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Starks without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Tucks left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's Anthony for three. You are locked on Knicks, and this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, because that would make you an everydayer, and therefore... One of my best friends in the whole wide world. I know it's it's a little bit of a low bar, but if you want to join that elite company, all you have to do is subscribe on YouTube, hit that notifications bell so you never, ever miss an episode, and be sure to subscribe on your audio platform of choice as well. And just one more place we want you to subscribe, and that is on our subtext. Both the link and the phone number are below. That's right, a phone number. You can text me or Alex. Sure, you can ask mailbag questions every month. That's fine. But it's a little impersonal. If you want to text us literally whenever you want, uh, you can do it now by joining the subtext. Uh, we'll give you our thoughts on any breaking news, our thoughts after games. Um, once we get enough people on there, some exclusive content and potentially a giveaway down the road. Um, but who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. He's Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. If you missed it, we had one of the Strickland's all-NBA talents on, Prez, to talk through skill improvements that uh, each and every Nick can make, including some of the guys we're going to cover in today's episode. But Alex, we are skipping ahead a little bit. We are bumping out the Knicks film school guys. Uh, just kidding. I'm sure we'll do that <laughs> mega episode in a bit. But, you know, we'll, we'll, give, we'll, give, we'll give people a little taste, a little preview. Uh, what's a bold prediction you have heading into next season? Yeah, that comes to us from Jordan Bub at Bub Jordan on Twitter. Uh, what way too early bold predictions do you have for the Knicks season play, season? or player or sorry for the next season player specific or team in general uh mine how hot is this i don't know if this is a hot take i'm i, I said quentin grimes shoots 42 percent from three um which is a really high number he shot 38.5 percent this past year and he shot around 38 percent his first two years in the league um so that signifies i think a pretty huge leap and I don't know. I'm just feeling it with him. You know, I think that he has made the requisite strides uh, his first two years in the league, you know, as far as uh, opening up other parts of his game, which should make three point shooting easier. Like the more of a threat you are to do other things, the more you're going to be able to keep that three point shot open. So like Grimes is now at this point shown that he's able to put the ball on the floor, uh, attack a closeout, get inside and, if he gets better at that this offseason, that's going to mean that teams might not necessarily be able to close out on him quite as hard because then they're going to say, man, all right, we can close out hard on this three, but then we're going to have to uh, give up the lane here. 
And, you know, he's he's very capable of getting in there and maybe feeding it to Mitchell Robinson or kicking it back out to another shooter. You know, this makes him more dangerous. So uh, that'll, in in turn, open up more three-point shots for him. I also just think, I mean, he seems to ha- just have a super consistent form. Uh, I think that he'll maybe find his, his shooting consistency uh, as far as, you know, month-to-month, game-to-game you know, being able to, to just consistently put out like at minimum, like 35% shooting. Um, and that will in turn, I, I think lead to him cracking the 40% mark this year, hopefully giving the next two 40% three point shooters if Jalen Brunson can hold there as well. So I, I, that would be my bold prediction is big, big things like 42% from three, my normal prediction as far as Grimes concerned would be like 40% from three. Yeah, no, I, th- I think I think it definitely qualifies as bold because that's that's Buddy Heel territory. That's um, it's not going to be the same volume, but but Steph Curry in his better year territories that is like on high volume that would make him one of the best three point shooters in basketball. And I think we have some pretty good evidence that he's capable of that, namely that after the All Star break he was forty five percent on around nine attempts per thirty six minutes. I think which is obviously an exceptional number. So you know he can get there. And I, I'm I'm with you. I think the ultimate key is that he just doesn't have those really really cold stretches that could ultimately tank that um my first bold prediction is about Jalen Brunson I think he will finish uh top five in MVP voting when the season is all said and done and I I specifically framed it that way versus all NBA Alex because I don't necessarily know if he's going to make all NBA the point guard position obviously specifically with his former teammate Luca with uh maybe Dame being in Miami um and them winning a whole bunch of games that is going to be really tough but I think MVP is a little bit more narrative-based. And I think if there's a world, which I'm going to talk about in just a sec, where the Knicks can end up the one, two, or maybe even the three seed, and Brunson gets up to something like 28 points, maybe six assists, five rebounds per game, even better efficiency with higher volume three-point shooting. And as we highlighted with Prez, if he can just get his three-point attempts up to basically what's the normal number for a starting NBA point guard playing the minutes he plays, like I don't think there has to be some dramatic leap in his game for this to happen. I think it's a pretty logical progression. And I think this team around him could play well enough that he could enter into those conversations, particularly coming from the New York market. Yeah. It's really funny too. Like I can almost see a world, you know, like you mentioned him being in MVP voting potentially, but not all NBA. I could even see a world where he ends up like all NBA and in MVP voting, but like doesn't even make all-star like one of those type of seasons, like just, it seems like that's how he's viewed. Like people just are like, I mean, this is the year that perception finally changes, but you know, his value to the Knicks last year, I think was a little understated. Um, You know, we saw Julius Randle make the all-star team, but not Jalen Brunson. And I understand Randle was really fantastic, but like Brunson was sort of the, the straw that stirred the drink most of last year. Um, and, and I don't think people quite had an appreciation for that yet. Maybe if he gets up to, like you said, like in the 28 point per game territory, then you sort of have to respect that player at that point and give him the accolades and give him all the flowers. And so then maybe he does make all-star and, and eventually becomes, uh, an MVP candidate, but I could definitely see it. Like if, if the Knicks, like you said, and, and I know you're about to make the case for this, but if they, if they end up improving, from the five seed that they were last year, which would mean a top four seed, essentially top three, top two, whatever seed. uh, Then I I think he has to get some consideration if he plays an even bigger role than he played last year, because even just last year, he was such a huge part in what they did. And, 
and them reaching that new high would mean that he would be having to reach a new high as well. Yeah, I I, I just think it is an award. It's funny. I'm going to make an analogy that maybe no one will appreciate. But uh, if you remember former uh, Hawaii quarterback, uh, Colt Brennan, I, I don't know why. I had a lot of time in my hands yesterday. I was just going through his historical uh, numbers. And he threw as a junior 56 touchdowns, like five interceptions, ran for 400 yards, didn't make the Heisman top five. The year after, because that established the hype, he was like 38 touchdowns, like 14 interceptions at a school like Hawaii that normally doesn't get you to New York. He got to New York based on the previous year. And I'm not saying Jalen's going to get there having a worse year. My point is more so that a foundation is set now where he's kind of in the minds of voters and there's a chance. All right, Alex, I'll, I'll make um, – you know what? Actually, let's, uh, let's take a sec, talk about FanDuel, and I'll, I'll come back with uh, one more bold prediction. And I, I'm really curious to get – your take on this one, Alex. Um, but before we do that, um, I got to tell everyone listening um, about our good buds over at FanDuel. It's football season. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Alex, I know I know you got hyped watching watching you Jets yesterday when the lights went out for like an hour. I, I didn't even turn it on, to be honest, okay, well, but maybe I'll, I'll check it out soon. All right. Well, I, I, as a Giants fan, got hyped watching your Jets because I'm excited that football season is about to kick off and that FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. And you can use your bonus bets on all these cool things. You can use them for spreads, for player props, for over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. I'm really excited, Alex. We were using FanDuel for my fantasy football league this year, so I'm going to have to make uh, some bold preseason prediction. And uh, I don't know. Zach, Zach Wilson looked pretty good the first game. I think I think that might be where I get people. I might be Zach Wilson over 150 yards in preseason game two or three because I don't think the Jets are, are necessarily going to overtax Aaron Rodgers. But uh, that is certainly an exciting development. Another exciting development in the New York sports world would be a hot start for the New York Knicks. And I, I feel pretty good about this one I think after 20 games into the season the Knicks will either be in first or second place in the Eastern Conference granted the difficult part here is we don't have the schedule yet the Knicks could have a ton of game on the road they could have a ton of just really difficult opponents to start the year but I'm pretty confident that Boston is going to start slow losing Marcus Smart who maybe in in some ways at least culturally you could argue has been more essential to their identity than even Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I think there's going to be a little bit of difficulty incorporating Chris Stapps. I think the defense could suffer maybe just a bit to start the year, even if their talent is insane. I think Philly is going to be in a very awkward position if James Harden is back, particularly if he's protesting and he's fat and he wants to trade. I think Cleveland's going to be really good. I think Milwaukee's going to be really good. The one thing with Milwaukee is Giannis is coming off of knee surgery and they might have him take it easy. That all adds up, Alex, to a Knicks team that was playing pretty close to a 61 pace post All-Star break. I, I think your your cat's even in on this. I could see a world where they start off, I don't know, like 16 and 4, 15 and 5, and they're they're right there at the top of the East standings to start the year. Yeah, my cat is in on it. Uh he's 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 with it. Uh I don't know if I necessarily have the same uh the same reservations about Porzingis with Boston. Cause I do think that he's, I, th I think that they've already been playing a, a guy similar to the role that they're going to want him to be in as far as like stretching the floor with Al Horford, but he'll just be like a better version of that that can defend the rim better and all that. But regardless of all that, I, I think that the biggest thing for me is the FIBA bump is going to help 
the Knicks out maybe more than any other team. Um, they're going to have three guys that should be coming in, hopefully not overtaxed because they all play on, they're all going to be playing on deep teams. Uh, RJ, you know, if, if team Canada's history is any indication, they have all the talent in the world, but never seem to make it very far. Uh, so, I mean, I guess there's a decent chance that they just don't even play for that long, but he at least gets to get some reps in. Uh, and then obviously team USA comes in and, as usual, should be favored to potentially win the FIBAs here, uh, but have a very deep and varied roster that they're going in with. Uh, but seems like, based off stuff I've been reading, Brunson is uh, figured to be the one of the only like guaranteed starters on that team uh, at this particular moment. And then everybody else just kind of working for their spot right now. Josh Hart's on the team as well, though, and that bodes really well for the Knicks, I think. like Those two will come in ready to rock already, already in, in prime shape, hopefully, uh, from doing that and ready to just kind of like light a fire under the butts of everybody else and get them all going and, and revved up for the new season. Not that they should need much help with that because I think that the Knicks will come in uh, with high expectations of themselves and, you know, let that influence how they, you know, go into the season. But uh, we'll see how it all goes. I, I think, though, I, I'm with you. I think they're going to start off hot and potentially raise some eyebrows early in the season, which of course opens the door for people to then try to like crap on them if they slow down a little bit as the season goes on. But I don't think they'll let that phase them. And I, I, I do think there's a decent chance they come out uh, guns blaze in the start. Yeah. I just, I, I think I read somewhere that they just have more and I, I have to double check. This is more returning continuity than pretty much any other team in the league. And just the rhythm they got in the second half of last year. Like, don't, don't, like isn't there just a sense that they're going to be so effing confident walking mm-hmm. into next season? And I just see, like, the rebounding between Hart and DiVincenzo, the defensive pressure they're going to be able to apply. Um, I Look, it could we've, we've gotten burned before on Julius Randle. So I think that would be my one reservation is if he comes out. I mean, even the way he came out last year was not really acceptable or, or very good. Um but if he comes out and like he like he said, he's going to be in better shape than last year. He's going to be in the best shape of his career. He said um, Jalen Brunson in particular has really motivated him to take his training up another level. Um, and and to your point with the FIBA bump, similar with RJ, similar with, I mean, Grimes playing in the select team, another level of confidence. If all those guys are really feeling themselves individually and just that, I guess, collective sense of, of perfect purpose, excuse me, and confidence translates, um, I, I just I think they're going to mow over teams to start the year and then then it could i think it will probably slow down a little from there but i I think i think it's gonna be a really good start all right um our next question uh comes from at coach sir 617 um and he wants to know um i'm assuming he maybe she um has the gm role been officially filled and that question was i should have clarified was in all caps let me let me try it again has the gm role been officially filled alex yeah that question comes to us from youtube so shout out to the youtube uh community tab uh no, I don't believe the GM role has been officially filled. And uh, I don't know if it necessarily has to be. Uh, so basically, for anyone that hasn't been keeping up with this minute Knicks news uh, throughout the, the offseason, uh, Scott Perry, his I think his contract just ran out and they just let it, you know, they just let it lapse. Uh, he was sort of, I mean, so Scott Perry was like the last relic of the Steve Mills, Scott Perry regime. Uh, he was like the only guy that they kind of kept on and served a really useful purpose. Seemed like everybody respected the hell out of him from 
from the time that he got to the Knicks, you know, with Steve Mills to all the way through the Leon Rose regime, like seems like he's he's a very popular guy in NBA circles. Um, and he sort of it seemed like shepherded Leon through the first couple years of being on this job, you know, considering it was his first NBA front office job. And Scott Perry had a, you know, a pretty robust resume. And I think the Knicks kind of just reached this point where Scott Perry himself probably is like, well, I want to start looking at bigger and better things, you know, for myself. And, you know, the Knicks were probably like, yeah, and, you know, honestly, like, we just kind of want to build our own staff out more too, you know, and, you know, have, have like Leon Rose wants to have his guys in there and all that. So I think it was just sort of a natural progression of things. But, I mean, Scott Perry was great. Um, and then as far as filling the vacancy – I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks just don't. Um, because at this point, they have Leon Rose, whose official title is uh, president of basketball operations. So he's the, the grand poobah of everything. And then Worldwide West, William Wesley is the like executive VP of basketball strategy or whatever the hell his title is. So he's essentially Leon's right hand. So there's that. And then uh, they have Gerson Rosas right now, the former GM of the Timberwolves, and is just like a quote-unquote like high-level consultant or whatever, which I know that he was the guy that was most reported like if they decide to officially replace the GM title, it would probably be Rosas, but for now they kind of just have him in this consulting role. Um, and then there's uh, uh, Brock Aller, who's like in basketball strategy or whatever, analytics, whatever you want to call it, that you know, like their cap guru and his influence seems to be pretty well felt on the team when they make, you know, all those little minute transactions that lead up to something. Um, and then they have Walt Perrin, who's amateur scouting. So, I mean, you know, it's just like there's a lot of there's a lot of arms to, you know, uh, to this organization. I, I don't know that they necessarily need to fill the GM role to like just to fill it. I, I think they could probably just leave things as they are, but. I don't know, maybe at some point we see Rosas officially get that GM title just to sort of uh, satiate the hierarchy or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's I think it's so much just like a like what is on your office desk when you come into work thing, because Leon Rose is and, and this is how some NBA teams work. Sometimes the president of basketball operations is, is the quote unquote GM. Sometimes the GM is the quote unquote GM. And with the Knicks, like Leon Rose for all intents and purposes, how you think of a GM, how you think of someone who runs a team, it's Leon Rose, while Rosas is like kind of the quintessential assistant GM. And I, I think that was true. I mean, even even when when he was still when when Scott was still here, like we saw that literally a year ago, it was Rosas who apparently was communicating with Justin, Va um, I think it, Justin Zanuck um, with the Jazz and handling the day to day negotiations of the Donovan Mitchell trade. So that was almost pretty clear cut. Like, all right, that's the role. He stepped into, and I don't know if it's because of how things ended in, in Minnesota and it's a PR thing, not making him the GM. Like, I don't really particularly want to delve into that. Um, but he seems to functionally be the assistant. Leon's the guy handling negotiations. And to your point, there is a million grit minds, and the Knicks seemingly are more invested in analytics than almost any other team in the league. Like, their scouting department um, is really fantastic at this point. Like, I, as long as there are no issues 
in terms of functionality. It's kind of the same thing with people complaining about them not talking to the media. Like as long as things are clicking, things are working, everyone's on the same page. Like we're getting a, a million different iterations of these these buddy buddy deals. Like where Josh Hart waits on his extension, so we can get Dante Divincenzo and MBA version of insider trading. But it's actually working out for the Knicks for once. I'm I'm, I'm okay with how things are going. Yeah, exactly. I, I you know I think it's just sort of a it's a it's a thing at this point where you're like, yeah, do they really need to? I don't think so. Just keep things going. Things are going well, you know. And I, and I think titles are just titles. And I think, I think the Knicks and the Leon Rose front office mostly understand that because it seems like regardless of what people's titles are, everybody seems to have a pretty, a, a pretty fair chance of being a voice in the room, you know, to potentially get through to Leon, and he just kind of assesses everybody's opinions on things and then makes whatever decision he thinks is best for the team. So I, I think it's a pretty solid work environment from the outside looking in. Uh, but we are going to take our final break here and then come back in and talk a little bit about Mitchell Robinson and what he could potentially do to improve himself this coming season. Maybe rehash a little bit of what we talked about with Prez the other day, but that's coming up next on Locked on Knicks. All right, we're back in talking about Another mailbag question here, Gavin. We got from uh, from you, Watt, mate, on on uh, Twitter at jacks three six five. What can Mitchell Robinson do this year to improve himself? Uh, Gavin, I sort of we we just did the skills development thing with Prez, and I got into uh, why I think a one dribble move would be very useful for Mitch uh, going forward. But do you have a a particular take on this, either the same or, or different from what I said the other day? Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, I think confidence offensively, which is, is maybe a similar version of what of what you were getting at, but I, I kind of liked it um, every once in a while in the playoffs. They would start uh, a half or a quarter, and like they did this in the regular season too, getting Mitch a post-up. And again, if you're going to put someone who's – like we saw what he was doing to Jared Allen physically on rebounds, like he should be able to do the same thing. To your point, like, like literally a one-dribble move, catch, reverse pivot, body a guy out of the way, dunk on him, um, lay it in over him. Um, he has the athletic ability to do that. He has not terrible touch around the rim, I don't think. Um, but to me, the even bigger thing is just working on his flexibility. I hope that is kind of the biggest um, emphasis from whoever leads his training staff this summer. Because to me, um, still throughout the regular season, still throughout the um, Heat series, he doesn't suffer as many injuries where he has to miss 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 games anymore. But he still gets so beat up during games, and and especially in the playoffs, where where, you, where you're playing relentless amounts of minutes against um, increasingly intense physicality, you could see that load bear down on him over the course of a series. And he got, um, particularly against Miami, and and part of it was just playing against Bam out of bio. But he got slower, he got a little weaker, he got more tentative as that series went along. And I think that was just taking body shots. And I and and look, some of that is just his physiology. I don't know how much he can improve that, but I think an off season. Um, routine that emphasizes like continued pliability, flexibility, um, whatever Derek Rose does with the fascia stretch stretching would be good. Um, will help him one avoid injury and two, I guess, get a little bit further back to the heights he had early in his career as a perimeter defender. I don't ever think he'll be fully back there. I think he just put on too much weight. He's taking too many hits, but a better balance there could lead to an all defense caliber season for Mitch. Yeah, I I'm with you. I think that that you know adding the conditioning and and getting back you know some of his spryness would be super useful. I'll throw one other thing out there uh, that I could potentially see being useful for him working on a left hand. Uh, I think would be really good. Like, and this sort of goes with the one dribble move thing. Like, I just think 
I think for any big, the most valuable thing to have in your bag is baby hook. And, you know, it's just, it's like the, the undefendable shot. If you know how to pull it off. Like I, I always reference like Taj Gibson, it's like six foot nine going up against seven footers and he could get that baby hook off all day if he wanted to, because it's just, it's basically unguardable, you know, because of where you release it. And, you know, if, if you have just enough reach that the other person doesn't have like, like 15 inches of reach on you, you can always get it off. Um, and so I think that, I, I think that if Mitch could work on that particular shot, which goes with the one dribble move, that would be super valuable. But if he could become lightly ambidextrous too, that is extra valuable. And I mean, look, this is anecdotal, like just from me doing this as a normal person, but like I decided to just like, Oh, I want to try to learn how to make lefty layups more consistently a couple years ago, just for fun and start doing it. And it's like, look, it's tough to like teach your, teach yourself to use a whole other hand, but it's pretty easy to at least get the motion of like a push shot down or like a little, a little hook with one hand. And I feel like Mitch could get there. And then his reach is so huge that like, there's very few centers in the NBA that could do anything to get in his way. Even if he wasn't like fully comfortable with the shot yet and had to like sort of awkwardly angle it and try to like bank it in or whatever. Like, I, I don't think anyone could defend that on him. Uh, if he would be able to work that into his arsenal and have a baby hook with both hands. And that would just be like super, super useful as far as if he wants more offensive touches, being able to be a bailout option down low and just be the guy that you kick it to with like, oh man, there's only four seconds left on the clock. We haven't really generated anything yet. Let's give it to Mitch and just let him flip it up. That could be that extra offensive role that Mitch wants uh, or that Mitch is, you know, expressed on social media that he wants or whatever during his, his lowest moments. Uh, so it, I, I think that would be a, another thing that I would say Mitch could potentially add as well as just the general one dribble, you know, dunk or you know whatever uh just to to sort of add to his arsenal and yeah if, if he did both those things i mean he we might be looking at a potential all defense guy or or a guy that you know maybe averages 10 and 10 for the first time in his career you know and i, I think that he would look at that as pretty big progress this year yeah i mean I, I think that's just huge for like one him having confidence in himself but two his teammates being confident in him because that's that's kind of been the whole theme throughout his career it's like all right we could Throw this guy a ball, and if you if you throw him a lob and he's open, you're going to get rewarded with an assist. And I think a lot of times, especially like like wing like the moments I think of are in transition. He'll get an early seal on someone who is not the opponent's center. And to your point, with his size, with his strength, with his jumping ability, that should be an automatic pass. But I, I think everyone else in this team thinks like, all right, I could throw it to Mitch, but I think he's going to find a way to screw this up. And not only is that going to cost us maybe a transition bucket. But that's going to screw with his confidence a little bit. And maybe he doesn't play as well defensively, like after he misses a layup on someone smaller. And, and I think like anyone who's played basketball knows that feeling of, of wanting to reward the big man, but just kind of being like, is he going to make it though? Like, is, is he going to make this worth it? And I think Mitch, like having that jump hook, it would be nice for him to not have to think about, because I, I mean, again, I, I can relate to my playing experience, like where it took me a while to like, as a, a bigger guy to develop that part of my game. And, and you can tell like, like your teammates attitudes change towards you. Like, all right, let me get him the ball because like, he's actually going to do something with it. And, and just knowing that someone has one go-to move, it, it's your point. It doesn't have to be complicated. Just be pivot, throw it over the shoulder, pivot, throw a shoulder and try to dunk it. But knowing that they know what they're going to do versus like catch it and hesitate in a key moment, that that that's a hundred percent of the difference to me. Yeah, for sure. And and I think 
if Mitch can get as confident as he can possibly be, especially on the offensive end. It seems like he never really lacks for confidence on the defensive end. But if he can get to that point where he's at least confident and comfortable with what he's capable of and and doesn't have any unanswered questions about what he's capable of, which I feel like is part of the problem, is like he thinks I'm capable of X, but I'm not getting the opportunity to do it sometimes. Yeah. Then, then that would create an overall better experience for him and for his teammates, I think, in the long run. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that pretty much sums it up. Again, you know, we did talk about Mitch pretty well in depth uh, in our third part with Prez uh, last week. So if anyone hasn't listened to that episode yet, go check that out. Um, we talked about Brunson and IQ potentially feeding the bigs more, which includes Mitch, obviously. And then, and then I, I spoke a little more at length about. Mitch adding the one dribble move uh, there as well. And we talked through that with Prez. So go check out last week's episode for that if you haven't already. But uh, we're going to have some more mailbag questions this week. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. But for today, I think we're all finished up and can wrap this one up. So thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you soon with more mailbag questions this week. But till next time, peace out. Thanks for listening.